Hi, this is Jessica McCoy with Calvary Christian Center. Thank you so much for listening. We pray that this message encourages and inspires you to be everything God has created you to be. We hope you enjoyed this message. Hey, neighbor. Come on, holler at him. Say, hey, neighbor. I came to church because God wants to talk to me today. Yeah, 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 yeah. God's going to use my pastor to talk to me today. My pastor's about to give me a word. How many of you want God to talk to you today? Oh, that ain't going to do. I said, how many of you want the Lord to talk to you today? Speak into my life. Speak into my purpose. Speak into your plan for me. Speak, Lord. Somebody say, speak, Lord. Listen, we're in a season right now where I'm glad to tell you that this building cannot contain this church. That what we have in us, baby, it doesn't stay here. But when we walk out of the building, we take it with us. I'm glad that Jesus just isn't Jesus in this building. That he's not just a healer in this building, he's a healer in the car. Come on, he's not just a provider in the building, he's a provider at your house. And you don't just have power over demons and devil and every other attack of the enemy when you're here in the building, but you got power over the devil everywhere that you go. Make a little bit of noise if you're glad that you are the church. You don't come to church, you are the church. And this is the premise, this is the reason while we're teaching the messages now and we're in this campaign called The Church Has Left the Building because this next week is going to be mighty because we're going to go out as salt and light. So we're taking our text from Matthew 28, 18. It'll appear on the screen, you by live stream. I'm so glad that you're with me today. And Jesus came and spoke to them. Somebody say, speak to me, Lord. Saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples. Just make them. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, watch this now, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, now if he was in the south, he would have said, yo, come on somebody. But he said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, amen. I wanna to talk to you about courageous, contagious Christianity. I wanna to talk to you about a Christianity that cannot be bound to this building because I'm telling you something, I wouldn't give you 10 cents for a light that did not shine. And I don't believe there's a Christian that ought to be able to be quiet about Jesus. That's why the Bible said, let your light shine before men. If you want to walk in a new season of God's power and, a, and be aware of his presence that is with you, I want you to slip up your hands if you're ready to be contagious. Father, release revelation and anointing in this place. We give this time to you. In Jesus' name, somebody give the Lord a great big praise. Hallelujah and you can be seated. I wanna ask you something today, my friends. Are you a contagious Christian? I want that brand of Christianity that cannot be contained. I want that brand of Christianity that is radical, that is revolutionary. I want a Jesus that I have in my life that I don't leave here, but a Jesus that I take with me when I leave this building. I want to affect destiny everywhere that I go. 
I want people to know that I have a Jesus that it, that's not just with me. When I'm at 1687 West Granada Boulevard in Ormond Beach, Florida, or Palm Coast, or New Smyrna Beach, or Orlando, wherever our campuses are, I want people to know that I have a Jesus that is real to me all the time. I wonder... Is there anybody in this room today that can say you got a seven-day-a-week Jesus? You don't just have a Sunday morning Jesus, but you got a seven-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year, 24-hour-a-day, 60 seconds a minute, 60 minutes an hour Jesus. You can experience Jesus anywhere. You take him with you to Chick-fil-A, McDonald's, Cracker Barrel. When you go shopping, he's with you. How many of you got that kind of Jesus? Make a little bit of noise if you got that. The kind of Jesus that's real. See, I want to say this to you today. The world does not need contained Christianity. The world needs contagious Christianity. The world needs the Christianity that is contagious. Contagious, if you define the word, it means catching. That's that can be which can be spread from one to another. This is really real to me at the moment because two of my three children, even though my oldest is 27, she's at home with her younger brother, and both of them have something that has been contagious. There's something going around. Hallelujah. I want people to leave this building and be so radical that when the thousands of people who are connected to Calvary campuses walk out in the community, that people say there's something going around. Hallelujah. How many of you want to leave this place and be contagious in the name of Jesus? I came home and there was, people were sick and they had fevers and I said, oh Lord, have mercy. I'm ready to leave again. And then Pastor Dawn has been having me drink this stuff. What's it called? ACF? It is terrible, y'all. It is like, I think it's part of the mark of the beast. I think it's going to be part of the judgment in the great tribulation. Because when you take a drink of it, it just burns all the way down. I don't feel like the Lord is in it, but she has told me that it's a good thing. Oh, y'all pray for me because this is what I live in and I don't have the power to say no. Come on, somebody. But I am in charge at my house because Don told me I was. Praise the Lord. But I want to tell you that our most fundamental responsibility as believers is to be contagious, is to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You got to, you, and you've got to prove yourself every week. You don't prove that you are a believer just by showing up at church. You don't prove that you're a believer just by coming in here and singing with everybody that's singing. It's easy to let your light shine when everybody around you is like you. But when you go into a crooked, the Bible said, and perverse generation, but you let your light shine that's when you know what has a hold of you you have a hold of it too hallelujah you know I'm in and out of the airport all the time I think I was there I think six times this week in Daytona and the people that work there at Delta many of them go to our church when I walk up they say hello Pastor Rayleigh where are you going this time and but they say can I see your driver's license because they want to make sure I am who I say I am even though the head of TSA and I'm TSA pre-check praise the Lord I, even though the head of TSA comes to Calvary he was sitting right there this morning when I walk through TSA they say we got to make sure you are who you say you are so they take my life 
license, they look at me at the face and they make sure that nothing has changed between last trip and this trip because they want to verify that I'm not an imposter, that I am who I say I am. So even though they've seen me already several times that week, they look right in my eyes to make sure that I am who I say I am because I have to prove it every time I come through the doors that I am who I say I am. And let me tell you, it's not enough that you were a Christian last week. It's not enough that you let your light shine this week. The jury is out. Every time you walk out of the building, they want to know that you are who you say you are. What I'm looking for is a church that will not be ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that is going to get radical in this moment and say, I am who I say I am. I can do what I say I can do. I'm looking for people who will take Jesus everywhere they go. I want Jesus to show up at Mainland High School. I want Jesus to show up at BCU. I want you to have the kind of Jesus that you don't tremble when the devil hiccups. I want you to have the kind of Jesus that is so real to you that he's not contained in this building. I want you to walk out of here and prove every week who you are. Who has that kind of Jesus? Maybe you can show him and you can let folk know that you have what you say you have. Anybody that wants to be contagious, make a little noise in this house. Now here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, go therefore and make disciples. Just really a simple phrase that would mean the same thing. He said, in essence, spread the gospel. And here's what we've got to do. We've got to leave the building to do it. And when Christianity is really the MO, it's who you are in your life, you will spread the gospel. But I want to give you a powerful word as it relates to being contagious. You are only contagious if you have been infected. Oh, you missed a good place to say amen. See, see you, you, you've got you've to be infected before you can be effective. Infect before effect. You cannot affect the world until you've first been infected. And when you are infected, then and only then are you contagious. When you're infected, it's in you. And you can't deny what's in you. When you're infected, you don't leave it here. You take it with you. And I want to tell you, I'm looking for a church that, that wants to be infected, that wants to take something with them when they leave the building. Baby, it's easier to get something off of you than it is to get something out of you. And there are some people in this room, you don't just have Jesus on you. It is not just some superficial thing. It is not some empty, superficial relationship that you have, but you have it like the Bible says in Colossians 1.27. You have Christ in you, the hope of glory. You have something in you. You, you are infected with Jesus. How many of you got Jesus in you? Come on. The old folk used to say Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in me. I wouldn't give you anything for a Jesus that didn't change yet. I wouldn't give you anything for a Jesus that couldn't set you free. I wouldn't give you anything for a Jesus that couldn't heal your body. I wouldn't give you anything for a Jesus that couldn't bring revival. I wouldn't give you anything for a Jesus that couldn't speak peace in the troubled waters. But what you've got to understand Understand as that when you come to church, Jesus don't stay in the building when you leave, but Jesus gets deep down inside of you, and that's how you have power in the day to do what God has called you to do. How many of you want to get that kind of Jesus inside of you? Make a little noise if you want that kind of Jesus. I want to get infected with Jesus. Hallelujah. 
See, the reason many churches are not in revival is because people have been affected rather than infected. Oh, let me talk to you. See, in church so often people are affected. They're affected by the music. They're, they're affected by the people around them. They're affected by the preacher. You Come on now. I grew up in church, y'all, where we used to sing hymns, and that was it. And there's nothing wrong with hymns. I like a few hymns, but I only like one her. Come on, somebody. Praise God. I, but, but we, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. That's pretty good, wasn't it? But here's the deal, we used to sing hymns all the time and, and, and people had their favorite hymn. We had the Y'all Come Choir. Y'all know that kind of choir, don't you? Where you just said, Y'all come. And we didn't feel like you even needed to practice because if you practice, somehow you were going to hinder what God was going to do in the church. And, and then there were some people that said, stand up and say, don't, don't even listen to my voice. Just listen to the words of the song. No, you don't even need to be singing. You need to be a greeter. You need to be an usher. Come on, somebody. This is not your gift. Come on, somebody. There's some. There's a few people on your your row. They don't need to be in the choir. Hallelujah. They don't need to be on the praise team. But here's the truth. We would come in and we had we had our songs and you know there would be people there and they would they, they would have to hear I'll fly away or power in the blood and they would sing it over and over and over and over again. And by the time they hit about the tenth time on I'll fly away, that person would start rejoicing a little bit. Some of y'all ain't been in church that long, but you know what I'm talking about. They'd sing it for about 25 minutes, and about 22 minutes in, somebody would start feeling it, and there they would go because it, well, they sang my song. Hey, if they'll sing my song. I'll go in. And I've heard people say, well, Pastor, I was at your church and I didn't like the worship. Well, congratulations. We wasn't worshiping you anyway. Oh, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Hallelujah. Write that down in your little black book because I ain't scared of none of y'all. The truth is you can email me and say I didn't like the worship. Well, that's okay because we wasn't lifting your name high anyway. We wasn't praising you anyway. There is one name that is worthy, high, and holy. And I'm not looking for opinions when I magnify the Lord. I'm looking for participation. When you got Jesus inside of you, you don't have to be worked up. When you got Jesus inside of you, you can praise him anytime and anywhere. You don't have to hear your favorite song. If you've got to hear a certain song in order for you to worship God, it's because you've been affected. You hadn't been infected. But when you've been infected, when you walk through the building, you're already flying. Hallelujah. When you walk through the building, all you can say is, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in Christ my Savior. I dare somebody right now who's been infected and not affected, give God a great big praise in this room. That's why you got so many moody, casual Christians. So many casual Christians because they have been affected. They have not been infected. Jeremiah of the Old Testament was a man who was courageous, outrageous, and contagious. All three. He was courageous. He was outrageous because of the things that he said and did. But he was contagious. Why? Because he was infected. The Bible said, then I said in Jeremiah 20, he was tired of them all, y'all. He said, I ain't going to preach to none of y'all no more know how. I'm tired of all y'all. I don't like you or your mama. I'm tired of you, mama, and them, all of them. I'm not preaching to y'all anymore. So he decided that he was going to give it up, that he wasn't going to preach anymore. And here's what happened to him. What had happened was, come on, somebody. He said, then I said, I will not make mention of him 
nor speak anymore in his name. But, but, his word was in my heart like a burning fire that is shut up in my bones and I was weary of holding it back and I could not. He said I wanted to be quiet. I wanted to shut my mouth but there was something inside of me that I could not contain. There was something inside of me that I could not keep quiet about. Let me tell you if you've got a brand of Jesus that you never want to talk about him. You never want to lift him up. You never want to magnify him. You don't have the same Jesus that I got because the Jesus that I got I can't keep silent about him he has done so much for me that I cannot tell it all baby he picked me up he brought me out of the miry clay he set my feet on a rock and I can't be quiet about that kind of Jesus make a little noise if you can't be quiet about that kind of Jesus it's kind of like when you're trying to hold in a cough have you ever had to cough real real bad and you're like, <laughs> and you try not to cough, and you know people around you gonna be looking at you because you got a spell, you about to have a cough that's gonna come on you, and it's gonna be one of those coughs that you, then you go, <laughs> and then finally you go, <laughs> and people are looking around you. Some of y'all, that's the way you've been with your faith. You've been walking around, they've been damning him, people have been talking about him, people have been not lifting up Jesus, people around you have been doubting that God is able, and you go, what you need to do is just open up your mouth and say, Jesus can heal your sick body, Jesus can save your lost loved ones. If you've got it like that, if you've got it like that, if you've got it like that, if you've got it like it's inside of you and you don't have any choice once in a while, not in the church, outside the building, you've got to speak his name. Give God a shout in the house right now. Huh. See, see, when you've been infected, baby, you can't hold it in. Jeremiah was contagious and pushed your neighbor and say, so am I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now let's dig a little deeper in this thing. What does it mean to be infected and then be contagious? Contagious is the root word contagion from the Latin, which means to touch. It literally means to spread by contact, by touching. And let me tell you, a desperate world cannot afford to have a distant church. This is powerful to me because Christians who are contagious need to be spreading Christianity to everyone they touch. We need to touch people. Now, I know we live in this crazy world. You can't touch nobody. And if you do touch them, you have to use your hand sanitizer immediately. Come on, y'all. There's some of y'all, you don't even want to join hands. Pastor Rayleigh, it's flu season. We can't be joining hands in the church. If God isn't bigger than the flu, I ain't got much of a God. I'm going to tell you that. But there's some people, you you know, you have to, I got to wash my hands. I got to, I got to get the hand sanitizer on my hands. Can I blow your mind? I grew up in a time, y'all, I, I think it was probably about five or six years there where I didn't wash my hands when I was a little boy. Oh, y'all don't say nothing to me. Y'all don't act like y'all used to come in and wash your hands for you ate, for you went to McDonald's. We grew up like that. I actually played barefooted. 
I played barefooted when I grew up. That means I went outside without shoes or socks on, and I would stub my toe and not even put alcohol or anything on it. I did not even have to go to the emergency room. My mother never got me an antibiotic for my stubbed toe. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. I used to, I tried to swing on the monkey bars, but I was husky. And sometimes it was hard to hold me all, all me up there on the monkey bars. Come on, y'all. We used to play freeze tag. Y'all don't know nothing about that. We, we climbed on this thing. It was like two stories high. You fall off of it, it'll knock the breath out of you. And the teacher said, get up and start breathing and get back up there and play. I've only got you out here for 30 minutes. My mom and dad didn't sign nothing saying that I could be there. Nobody got sued. I just got up and went back and started playing again. We played freeze tag. Everybody had to touch you in order to get free frozen and the truth is you got frozen when somebody touched you because we didn't have we didn't have video games and stuff like that we were dirty y'all we were playing in the dirt hallelujah and, and, and they would touch me when you're big and you're husky and you're slow you're gonna spend a lot of time frozen can I get a witness I spent I spent a lot of time like this <laughs> y'all, where my big people at? Y'all know what I'm talking about. You have them little guys, man, they run a, I just, I spent a lot of time just like this. So when I paid free tag, I stayed close to home base. Can I get a witness? Because I knew if I could get on home base. But what I'm trying to tell you is this. We've developed this mentality. We can't touch nobody. We can't, we can't be close to anybody. We've got to be distant. But the devil is a liar. Where is the church that's not too good for the lost? Where is the church that will say, baby, I'm not in concerned that you'll get that I'll get infected by what's in you you better be concerned that you about to get infected by what's in me oh y'all ain't saying nothing in this room what I carry is so much greater than anything that the world carries somebody give God a shout if you're talking with me there's power in the touch tell your neighbor there's power in the touch a touch can calm a baby's cry it can soothe a fevered brow. This morning before we left, I watched my wife walk into our son's room and she put her hand on his head mm -hmm. and she took his temperature. I don't know how that works, women, but you seem to know. She put his hand on, no, he doesn't have a fever because you were taking his temperature. We're trying to take the temperature of a world that we don't want to touch. We're trying to take the temperature of a world that many of the church don't want to have anything to do with it. But let me tell you, there's power in a touch. It can build a bridge of hope. It can encourage the discouraged. It can strengthen the weak. That's why that little lady across the street, when we put that card and brought her a little bit of gas, hallelujah, it's not that we have an abundance and an oversupply of money here. It takes everything that we got to do everything that we're doing but there comes a moment where your love needs to become more than just a rehearsing of words then there comes a point where your your love needs to become tangible if you want to meet people where they are you got to meet their felt needs sometimes and when we brought that girl a little bit of gas and brought her food all of a sudden she was ready to hear about the Jesus that I serve so you can't be mean as a snake when you walk out there and think that people are going to love the Jesus that you serve but there needs to be something inside of you that kills that judgmental hateful religious spirit and causes you to touch a world that needs a real Jesus come on somebody Jesus touched people he touched blind men 
He, he touched even dead folk. He touched six children. And you know what he did that blows my mind? He touched a leper. In the Bible, leprosy was the most deplorable disease that you could have. You were the lowest common denominator in society if you had leprosy. You weren't even allowed to live among your family members. You weren't allowed to go to church. You were ostracized on every level. You had to live out on the town garbage dump. But you read the record in Mark chapter 1. Then the leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, if, 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 if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put his hand out and touched him and said to him, I am willing be cleansed. I'm worried about a church that's not willing to touch the lost. I'm worried about a church that is too good for broken people. I'm worried about a church that doesn't open the doors for people, no matter what their background is, no matter what their issue is. Jesus blew that man's mind when he said three words. He said, I am willing, dear God. Let's get real about it. Jesus didn't have to touch him. Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave, never touched him, but raised him from the dead. Jesus spoke, and it was. Jesus spoke, and the waves ceased. Jesus spoke, and the winds come. He could have spoke to that man, but he said, I'm about to illustrate a thing, that I'm going to touch him, and when I touch him, I'm going to heal him. There's some people that are not going to get healed until the church learns to touch them right in their hurting place. Give God a shout if that's the church you want to be a part of. Look at your neighbor and say, that's my church. We must ask ourselves an honest question. Are we willing to touch people that we don't even like? Come on now. Are we willing to touch them? Now, now here's a real question that I want you to ask yourself. If I am infected, who's infected? Wave at me if you're infected. Okay, that's, a, that's a lot of you. If I am infected, here's the question. Do I have any symptoms? Oh, I'm preaching better than you're letting on. If I, am, if I am infected by Christ, do I have any symptoms? Well, here are the symptoms. Love, gentleness, kindness, meekness, goodness, long-suffering, joy, peace, faith. What is that? I think that's called the fruit of the Spirit. It's called Galatians 5. I don't believe you've been infected if you don't love, if you're mean, if you're not gentle, if you're not kind, if you're, if you're not meek. Hey, listen, don't mistake meekness for weakness. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under control. Come on, somebody. Don't, don't you think Jim Rayley is, 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 I'm meek sometimes, but it's because we keep our power under control. Glory to God. Goodness and long-suffering. See, see, these show that you have the symptoms of being infected by Jesus. The word infect, let's get a little bit, bit deeper. The word infect is from the Latin inficio. It, it literally means in and facio. It means in the face. It literally, when, when, when the, the word, the, the origin for the word in fact means in the face. Now, in the beginning, the word in fact means in the face of, understanding in the very face of. How often have you heard, don't get in so and so's face? 
because they have an issue. See, some of y'all are busy getting in somebody's face because I'm going to give them two snaps and a neck jerk, and I'm going to tell them all about themselves because I need to get all up in their face. See, we've spent too much time getting in people's face for the wrong reason. I, time and again, if there's sickness going around, what do you tell me when I come in? Don't get in Courtney's face. Don't get in the kid's face because you might not want to get in my face because I've been a little bit sick because you know that you are going to spread it when you get in the face of someone. And I'm telling you, I'm ready for a church that will preach an in-your-face gospel. Come on, and in your face, grace, in your face, love. I don't want them to wonder about Calvary. I don't want you to leave here and them to wonder if they're loved and accepted and celebrated and needed and, and wanted in the kingdom. See, someone who is infected stands the best chance of spreading that infection by getting close to others. I want to tell you, precious, don't be too good for the lost. Don't be too good for people who are struggling. We will never be truly contagious as believers until we're willing to get close to others. I'm telling you, people are priceless. People matter. If it's not for people, then we don't need to open the doors of this church. It's not about denominations. It's not about a big preacher. It's not about music that is that is so awesome here. We're not trying to just make records. We're trying to break records. Hallelujah. We're trying to let this be the season where we see more people born again than we ever have in the history of our church. Baby, it is time for you to pass that infection it is time for you to walk out of here and folk to know there is a redeemer and his name is Jesus and there's not one issue you have that Jesus can't take care of. Now watch this. At times highly contagious people pass infection because the infection gets airborne. Uh-huh. They, they don't even have to touch it. They just breathe and you get affected. They just breathe and you can catch it. All they have to do is breathe. I, I want there to be such a touch of God on my people that are connected to me and to our ministry here that when they walk out, if they breathe, somebody feels Jesus. Hallelujah. I'd like for you to walk in the break room and they say, what in the world? I just felt something. What, what, what in the world happened? You, you see, how many of you know that, that, that people who serve the enemy, they don't mind magnifying the enemy? They don't mind talking about what they did on the weekend. Come on, somebody. Now, I, I, I like it like this. Y'all know I'm a revival man. I'm a Holy Ghost man. I'm a lay hands on your man, fall out in the Holy Ghost. Come on. I don't care if you shake. Come on. In the old days, I don't care if you roll. In the old days, they used to call them holy rollers. Some of y'all need to roll till you get holy. Can I get a witness? Ain't nothing else worked. Praise the Lord. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. They don't mind damning him. They don't mind bragging about what they did on the weekend. You know, this last weekend, it started Friday night. I got so drunk, I couldn't even walk. I don't even remember what happened. I fell down. I got falling down drunk. I fell down. Somebody had to help me up. They had to carry me to the car. I wish something would come in this room today that when that guy starts that tomorrow, you say, I know, same thing happened to me. I went to Calvary. Something came in that room. I fell right on my face. I got so drunk. Drunk, they had to take me to the car. I got so drunk, I'm not over it right now. I got such a touch of God that I feel it right now. I still got a Holy Ghost hangover. Can I get a witness in this house? I'm looking for the kind of Jesus that gets inside of you. I'm looking for the kind of relationship that you have with the Lord that you can talk to people and they believe that you believe that God can do anything. If that's you, give the Lord a shout.
See, see, here's the problem. Here's the problem. I want a church that is filled with highly contagious people. But here's the issue. Much of the church has been inoculated rather than infected. Oh, come on, hang with me. I'm going to preach for a minute. When someone is inoculated, they receive just enough of the virus to make them immune. How many of you have seen somebody receive just enough of Jesus to make them mean? Just enough of Jesus to make them act like a Pharisee. Just enough of Jesus to be cruel to folk and not really be kind to folk. See, the Bible says it like this. These people draw near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their heart, their heart is far from me. He said they've been inoculated. They're immune to me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines, as doctrines, the commandments of men. Jesus spoke here, quoting Isaiah, about people who would go through the motions of worship. But their heart was far from him. They, they are what I call distant worshipers. And you cannot be a distant worshiper and a contagious Christian all at the same time. You can't be distant and contagious all at the same time. I've seen distant worshipers, y'all. They had just enough of Jesus to be dangerous. They don't really care anything about winning their community. They just want to keep what they got. And, 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 then, and, then, and then they really care nothing about seeing lost people born again. This is why they're mean, because they've been inoculated. This is why they're ugly. This is why they're judgmental. They don't have that relationship with Jesus that breaks their heart for the broken and the lost. This is why they're pharisaical. This is why they're haughty. They'll cuss you out in a minute. They'll come to church and drop their tithe in and lift one hand and act like God is on their side, but they'll walk out and if they go to McDonald's and their french fries are three short, they'll cuss that little worker out and act like God was behind it. The devil is a liar. You haven't been infected, baby. You've been inoculated. That's not the Jesus that I serve. Listen, serving Jesus will not make you pharisaical it will not make you act like you are ever better than anybody else let me tell you something if you act like a pharisee you're in a good place because i regularly do pharisectomies come on somebody oh y'all ain't saying nothing to me because i will remind you how far you've come i will remind you that you ain't always been sitting in church on second service on sunday morning i will remind you oh, yeah, 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 pharisaical. Now, let me just stay here. I, I better be careful. But John MacArthur just this week, I did, oh, Jesus, y'all pray for John MacArthur. Pray for me too. But John MacArthur made a statement. He's against uh, the, any kind of move of God, any kind of outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He calls it not of God. But this week, he really attacked women ministers and women preachers. And he was speaking specifically of Beth Moore. And he said, Beth Moore, go home. When they asked him about, Stephen Furtick he said they said one word to describe Stephen Furtick he said underqualified Stephen Furtick I listen I don't know how you feel about Stephen Furtick but if you google him and watch him preach the man is a preacher and he is changing his generation and then he tells he, he says Beth Moore go home because he believes that women should not say anything in the church he believes that women should just sit down and shut up stay home and be pregnant and barefoot come on somebody now, but I came to mess John MacArthur up. When I read my Bible, I read where women are mightily used by God. 
The issue is, when you call yourself a preacher and an orator, don't you dare take a text out of context. Because when you take a text out of context, you can make that text say anything you want to. What you have to do is interpret the Word of God as a whole. That's why you can't just read your chapter you like. If you want to know what God's saying to you, go back and reread all the scriptures you didn't underline. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing to me. So, so when I read my Bible, I read about five daughters of Phillips who prophesied in the church. When I read my Bible, I read about a woman named Deborah who spoke and prophesied and shifted her whole nation. When I read my Bible, I read that it was a woman who brought Jesus into the world and birthed humanity's Savior. When I read my Bible, it wasn't Peter, James, and John that saw Jesus alive first. It was a woman. And what did Jesus do? Go tell the good news that I am alive. Where are the preachers that aren't ashamed to admit that sometimes we ain't got it all right and we need to get off of our pharisaical high horse and declare the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? And while I'm at it, you can't be racist and be saved. Y'all don't make me come down there. I said you can't be racist and be born again. And I'm telling you, racist runs a lot of direction. It can be white folks to black, black folks to white, Hispanics to white, Hispanics to black folks. But let me tell you, baby, when you get to heaven, there ain't going to be a white section, and there ain't going to be a black section, and there's not going to be Hispanic section. There's going to be one section. It is the redeemed of the Lord, and we'll be glad to be there together. Oh, my God, while I'm on it, I'm going to hang with it. See, the problem is many people, you know you can't be racist because you can't hate nobody. You, so you can be racist and you won't go to heaven, but you can be prejudiced. What is prejudice? Prejudice says that I think I'm better than you. I think I'm better than you because I'm this color. I think I'm better than you because I have this money. I think I'm better than you because I'm more religious than you. I think I'm better than you because my behavior is better than yours. But the devil is a liar. We are going to raise up a church that knows what it is to say we are all here. Redeemed by Jesus, unworthy as we are, we are born again by his goodness. Give God a shout if you want to be a part of that. If you if you if you are prejudiced, it's because you've been inoculated. You haven't been infected. Come on, y'all. Y'all sit down. I'm almost done. I want to go to a church where ebony and ivory live together in perfect harmony. Side by side on my piano, keyboard, oh Lord, why don't we? Children don't know how to be prejudiced. We have to teach them that mess. Why do we value people? based on the pigmentation of their skin. So shallow. Why do we say I'll witness to you, but I won't witness to you? Why do we act like we are better than some others sometimes? It's because we're cocky, but we're not contagious. I, I can't hardly stand or bear cocky preachers anymore. I can hardly stand a bear preachers that talk about how much they're doing for the cause of Christ. I've laid it all down. Shut up. 
It ain't about you. Here's what I'm desperate for. I'm desperate for you to understand that as great as things are, that even on homecoming BCU weekend, we have a lot of our BCU family. <laughs> They're trying to sleep off everything they ate yesterday. Come on, Luke. It's been a great weekend for our BCU family. Homecoming was great, but we lost the game, but we're still winners. Come on. Amen. But watch. Of all the thousands of people that will connect to us today, I'm wanting to see people who would leave this house not affected, not inoculated, but highly contagious. Not only contagious, but courageous. Not only courageous, but outrageous. Because here's the deal. You know, I want you to let your light shine here recently. And I'm not being political at all. I'm just being fundamentally honest with you. There are those that have said, you know, we want uh, churches to have their tax-exempt status taken away if they preach certain things. They'll lose their tax-exempt status. You say, well, Pastor, what do you have to say about that? Come and get it. You can have it. If you think if you take my tax-exempt status, I'm going to pre quit preaching the word. You don't know Jim Rayleigh. How many of y'all been when we know long enough to know that Jim Rayleigh's going to preach what God tells him to preach? Yes, sir. What I'm telling you is this. The world doesn't mind pushing their agenda down your throat. Where are the people that will push heaven's agenda? Stand to your feet, and I'm going to close. Nobody leave for just a minute. I'm almost done. Here's the truth. Pastor Don and I, when we first got going, we were young. Um, we didn't even have any children yet. We were living on love. We're still living on love. Now we got a little bit of money to go with it. Praise God. I like love, but I thank God for a little money too, babe. Hallelujah. But here's the deal. We, we, we went on our first missions trip. I learned to talk a little bit of Spanish. Come on. Gloria a Dios. Baño, por favor, pronto. Come on. Where's the bathroom? Real quick. Come on, somebody. We were supposed to go to uh, Paraguay. And in the last moment, we got a word that Paraguay, they were packed with too many teams. We want you to lead a team. We only had about nine people on the team. We were young. And we, could, we couldn't even hardly get there. Remember all them Red Wheel pizzas we sold, all that candy, all them car washes? We, that's the only way we even got over there. And they shifted, and when they said, we want you to go to Venezuela, the, the unreal thing about that, I was just this little young preacher just getting going. We were newly married. And we opened Venezuela up, and today there's probably, I would say, at least a dozen churches that our young people started from going over there. That in, Venezuela's in trouble, but I'm telling you, there's still a fire of revival that we trace all the way back there to that moment. So they left for Paraguay. We stayed in Miami and did an outreach for two days, and then we left for Venezuela. We were so broke that our kids slept up at the church, and Dawn and I went to the youth pastor's house that we were close to, and we slept in their closet. They didn't even have an extra bedroom. So they said, we've got this little closet, so we slept in the closet. Well, since then, we've come out of the closet. Hallelujah. But 
<laughs> That's funny, ain't it? Y'all can tell when you go home, tell everybody your pastor came out of the closet. Praise God. <laughs> but here's the deal. We didn't even have the money. We couldn't have got a hotel if we wanted it. It was not, not even a possibility. So we slept in the closet and we did outreach. I didn't have any money, but I love people. And I wanted to win somebody to Jesus. So we went to Coconut Grove in Miami and we started just witnessing. And I came up at this car lot in Coconut Grove and there's this Haitian man that's there and he's sitting on a milk crate and it's turned upside down. I don't know if he was undocumented. I don't know. It looked like to me that he had probably just come across just escaping the pains of Haiti. And he would sit there at that parking lot on that milk crate every day. And he would watch the people's cars that parked there. And they would give him a few bucks when the day was over because he would keep people from messing with his car. So I came up by him and I'm just this young, inexperienced preacher. And I turned the milk crate over and I sat by him. And I started telling him about Jesus. I started telling him about how much that Jesus loved him. And I watched and his eyes just filled with big tears. And then crocodile tears just started streaming down his face. I'll never forget. It just streamed right down his face. His skin was very dark. And you could see the streaks as they were running down his face and down his neck. And he was just weeping. And he said, does Jesus really love me? I said, absolutely. He said, I was raised in voodoo. He said, I've never believed in the power of Jesus. He said, but he would love me. He would forgive me. He has a plan for my life. And I sat there, man, just in my 20s, and I started weeping. And I said, yes, he does. And I took that man's hand. And I'm telling you, I infected him that day. He wept and cried, and I wept and cried. And, and he, when I finished, he said, he looked at me, he said, where have you been all my life? He said, I've sat on this same milk crate for 20 years. I've been sitting here, and I've been so, so full of struggle. I've hated myself, and I've hated my life. He said, where have you been? I felt so unworthy. Why did it take somebody so long to tell me about Jesus? Where have you been all my life? And he cried, and I cried. You remember, babe, we just sat there and wept. It was an encounter that could not be denied. Well, we had a little gathering that night, and I was so surprised when I walked in, and there that man was. He had his hands lifted, weeping and crying as they were singing and worshiping the Lord. I was so overcome, man. I went and hugged his neck, and I said, man, this is going to last. This is real. This is not something that just happened out there on that milk crate. No, this is going to last. I came back years and years and years and years later. After I'd been preaching for years and years and years, I came back later. And guess who was on the front row of that church? It was the milk crate man. I couldn't call his name, but I'm telling you, that day he got infected. Here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for some people that will leave this room and help me infect the generation with the gospel and good news of Jesus. Have you been inoculated or have you been infected? You know, I go to some of your Facebooks and I wonder when you come by some of the mean stuff you post. And I'm hoping that you put on there that you go to Hope Fellowship and not Calvary. Come on. <laughs> or River Bend. I kind of get embarrassed for you. 
not all of you, but the person behind you. There's for. Here's what I'd like to ask you to do this week. Would you make your Facebook your pulpit? Would you make your Facebook your pulpit? Would you share that this Sunday is going to be the most life-changing Sunday that Calvary has ever had? That time might be changing, but time is not the only thing changing. That Jesus is going to change people's If you would like to be a part of what God is doing here at Calvary, you can give online at calvaryofl.com or you can use our app. We hope this message encouraged you to experience the Spirit, embrace the lost, and live the life. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you soon.